Good evening, humans. This is your host, Chevy, with another episode of A Cup of Culture podcast. FYI, I just moved to Vancouver, British Columbia, and I'm living temporarily in an Airbnb, so excuse any background noise of rushing cars. On a more livelier note, it's drizzling and I'm surrounded with beautiful pink flowers cuddled against the giant green trees, which creates a perfect setting for us because we are going to talk all about nature today. So let's get right to it. In today's episode, we speak to Caroline Guzman. She is a full package wildlife journalist, and you'll know what she means by full package in just a bit. Caroline walks us through her journey as a freelancer, how not so glowy lifestyle freelancing can be, and most importantly, she shares her love for the environment and the wildlife. Not to mention what you can do to care for the planet. So tune in and tap in. What color are you feeling today? I like yellow or green. Those are the colors of the nature. yes well yellow is kind of bright yeah and I think that I'm very excited about this interview so it's like kind of like you know and green I think it's because it's spring and it's like Mm -hmm. it brings this kind of nature and and wavy relaxing vibe awesome so let's start by talking a little bit about your background can you tell me where you're from and are you a student or are you working I was born in New York City. My family, both of my parents are Colombian. I'm a multimedia uh, freelance journalist. And I say multimedia because for me, it's like I like to do stories with the entire package. So it's mean imagery, writing, editing, and all the research. So what kind of journalistic pieces do you like to work on? What's your passion? Well, I knew that I just wanted to talk about environment. And honestly, I I have a very niche with wildlife and animals in general, but freelancing is really, really rough. And uh, so I, I have tried to expand into more environmental topics. So not just exclusively wildlife and animals, but just everything that has to be with nature and outdoors and environmental uh, issues. If you were to go back in time, could you maybe like point out to a specific experience or a turning point where you were like, you know what, I want to be a wildlife journalist. I love the environment. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a veterinarian. So I was like, I want to save animals. That's what I wanted to do. But then I'm terrible at science. <laughs> I'm terrible at math. And um, I have very bad memory. So I'm like, I'm not going to be a doctor ever. And so I wanted to be a theater actress for some reason. <laughs> and uh, my parents was like, that thing doesn't give you any money at all. So please drop that idea and try to find something <laughs> different, something serious. And so I'm like, well, if I cannot be, you know, a theater actress and performing, I think that I want to be the person who is in the background interviewing these actors, especially in everything that has to be with theater. Mm-hmm. And so I studied journalism for that. So I want to be a, a broadcaster for saying so. Mm-hmm. 
But then in that, uh, when I started to do this, uh, there was this class in photography and I was like, oh my God, I love photos. And I started doing photojournalism without actually me knowing, but mm-hmm. I started taking pictures of animals and the environment because that's what I like. So I, my professor was like, this is really good. You should consider doing photojournalism. I mean, you're already doing it. And I was like, I don't know what's that. And so that's kind of like the turning point where I was like, well, maybe I can be a photojournalist and, and I, I, I can save animals after all, I guess, with this career. And so I dropped the idea of everything has to do with this theater training thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do this. And then I started thinking, oh, well, I want to be like this National Geographic people, you know, like they go to the Arctic and Africa and take all these pictures. And then reality hit me and I was like, no, that's not, I mean, that's really hard to do. (laughs) I find out that being in that type of position is really rough to get. It's not impossible, but it takes a lot of time and, and tons of luck. And so I decided, well, I mean, what if I just be a journalist and just Mm -hmm. do complete pieces to help create awareness and save animals that way? I took every class that I could (laughs) and everything that has to be with a project. I turned it out to be something with or either animals or the environment. And that's how I started to do things. And, And I knew that when I graduated, I wanted to do this. What I didn't know was the freelancing world is very different from like your common journalism jobs. And so that is where I like kind of collide when I get out of school because mm-hmm. at school they never thought as of the different possibilities that you can do with your journalism. I mean there is so many types of journalism yeah and they don't teach you in depth each one of them. They just do it a very superficial and you get not to understand that. And so one of the things that also happened to me while I was at Seattle U was that because I really wanted to know about animals and environmental and science and stuff like that. I wanted to take biology classes Mm -hmm. so I can have more structure and more info in my work. But guess what? Like, because I didn't have a prerequisite to be a biology student, I could never get into their classes. And so I was really mad. I was like, I mean, I'm a student and I want to take that class. How can mm-hmm. you deny me the education? And so I'm like, that's, that is so disappointed. And I was always struggling because, you know, everybody was in their own thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm here on my trying to push you like environment, climate change, <laughs> yes. and animals, care, <laughs> you know, and people are so into your face. And I never felt like that co- connection. And I felt like, People who are in science and biology, they know, they understood what I was trying to do, right? So after I graduated, what I did was I certified in animal behavior. So I took a course on animal behavior and different conservation programs. And with those two, then I can finally say, well, you know, at least I have some expertise into that world. And that's how I got here. Well, it sounds like you had to 
<laughs> cross a lot of hoops to get to this point. Yeah. You know how I knew about this freelancing thing is that at school they had a mentor mentee program. She paired me up with uh, this guy, and he was also a, a freelance journalist. We have a lot of things in common. And during our uh, mentoring uh, session, I told him the story of how I got here to U.S. because I was I was living in Colombia, and and then he was all like, "Oh my God, that is an incredible, crazy story! I want to do a story about it." The thing is that he never asked me about it, and then later on, I just find out that he was writing a story about me, oh and I was like. Wait a second. I was like, are you, are you, what, what? I never gave you permission to share my story. I, I was super shy. I don't know. It just mm -hmm. felt completely odd. And I was, he later on started to say that I was an ethical person and that, oh my gosh, it, it became an issue. And I had to call his publisher and say, no, I did not give permission to this person to publish my story. So when I reached out to the publisher, then the publisher contacted me and said, we are sorry about this. This is not behavior that we tolerate. And, you know, we didn't know about this. And they asked me like, oh, so you are a, a journalist. So I said, well, yeah. And said, well, we can't really do much for you. But what we can do is that we can offer you a mentor to replace this person and I'm like oh well yeah that sounds great so they <laughs> provide me this awesome guy crazy he used to work for Crosscut and I pitched a story to him and he already was like yeah I like it so let's do it and I was like really I mean what and then he actually was the one who guided me through the process of how to pitch what to say, what kind of things they're looking for and how you approach to people and how to contact your sources. I mean, he taught me everything. And I was like, why I was not aware of this when I was at school. So I, I was kind of like a little disappointed, but then I'm glad, you know, that out of this catastrophe, <laughs> this something good came out of it. And thanks to this guy, his name is Ted. I, I am where I am. And I mean, it was just like a snowball. I pitched this story to Crosscut. Then I pitched to another publications and they were really happy about it. And to be honest with you, I never thought that it was going to be something that I can live off. It's rough because I have a mental problem and there is a lot of things in the freelancing world that gives you so much anxiety. There are companies that they pay you three months later. How can you not be anxious about your bills and stuff like that? When you have to come up money out of your pocket to pay this in advance, waiting for them to, I mean, just something that for me is so bizarre. There is this stealing things, you know, like no, there is no original idea, but there is always an original perspective. And so when they steal that from you, I mean, it's like, and there's nothing you can do. There is no legal representation for us. I mean, that's why there are so many now new resources for freelancers. The trade, at least for me, is that you have your own pace. 
I pitch my own stories. So when you hire my stories, I'm going to provide you everything. The sources, the background research, the editing process, the imagery, everything. You know, I don't want other people to come after me saying like copyright problems or stuff like that. I can imagine how tough just financially and emotionally freelancing can be, especially if you're, you know, someone who's just surviving and freelancing can be so like unpredictable mm-hmm. and you're always constantly anxious about maybe I can just do this other thing so that by the time the next check comes in, I have something in the backup. As you're talking about how inconsistent freelancing can be and your life has been pretty challenging with that. How do you take care of yourself? I think that I'm in a place of privilege, let's say it so. I mean, when I say I'm a full-time freelancer, thank God because I count with a partner that he works, right? Most of the bills relied on him. I wouldn't be a full-time if I would well be by myself. That's why a lot of freelancers are part-time is because it's that you know, inconsistency and how I take care of myself. Um, I sleep a lot. Uh, <laughs> I think that um, after animals, sleeping is my passion. I mean, I honestly like to to rest. Mm-hmm. And part of taking care of myself is being in nature, mm-hmm. learning about animals. I mean, I like to go outdoors and when I see an animal, I study the behavior and that gives me some peace. Like I, it makes me feel happy. It makes me feel curious about existence in life itself and, and see how like we are so alien with these other beings. And I'm thinking like, I mean, how you were created, like Mm -hmm. why you have feathers and, and why your nose is like that, you know, and I'm just like things like that. Like, it's just funny. And, and I I love it. And I think that's part of my mental health. It's like, I need to go out there and see some wildlife, you know, (laughs) and it's hard because I'm here by myself, my family, most of my family right now is in Colombia and there's a time difference there. Uh, my dad is sick with cancer and it's a lot. And the good thing about freelancing is that I can do it, this anywhere. Mm-hmm. I can't do yeah. a topic about wildlife environment anywhere and pitch it anywhere. And you can do it wherever you are. So I think that's something that is good. And why do you think we should care about the nature or the wildlife? I always tell people when when people tell me, hey, let's do this to save the planet. I'm like, hey, wrong. The planet will continue to be. I mean, I think that when we say we care about the nature and wildlife, being a little bit selfish and say this is how we take care of us. Wow, that's beautifully said. I never thought about it that way. Uh, Oftentimes when people talk about the environment or the nature, they're always talking about like these big things or the big steps they should take, you know, to care for it. But if I were to ask you, because you've been in and around nature for so long, what would you say are small actionable items that people can do in their everyday life to care for the animals around them or the wildlife? The first switch is actually you acknowledging that, because if you don't acknowledge that, then you won't do anything. So see what you have all around you. The things that are around you, 
What are they made for? How you got them? If you don't have wood to warm yourself, if you don't have water to drink, if you don't have sustainable food to eat, if you don't have et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's when people can do changes because if you are not aware of those things, then you won't do anything because you think that everything is given and it's not true. So small actions is that. Just question everything around that you have and make decisions based on that. Do I really need to buy another jacket just because it's green and I don't have a green color? No, you don't. What is my duty as a human being to the world and for the people or the beings? Because the thing is, like, when you buy plastic, you say, well, what it takes to make plastic? And what is the consequence after its life? Where that is going to end? Oh, in the water, the water that I drink? Wait, on the water where the fishes that I eat, everything is connected. Well, it sounds like it doesn't have to be like this next big thing that you need to take, you know, to change the world. It can start with just sitting down and acknowledging how one thing impacts another and how the existence of one thing really in some way connected to us. You know, like you said, I don't need to use plastic every day. And yet we go on with our lives thinking that, oh, well, you know, it's just gonna be recycled somehow. And there are just so many different kinds of plastic that people don't think about. And it takes a lot of time and effort for it to ever get back to the normal, natural form, whatever that may be. Right. We want to slow down our way that we consume things, anything, right? Because when we slow down our thoughts, that is helping a lot. So if I were to ask you, what are some conscious things that you do in your everyday life that people can learn from? What would you suggest? Again, I don't buy things that I don't need. If I really do want those things, I try to find it secondhand first. Everything that I try to purchase, like coffee or makeup, the little that I buy, I make sure that it has like fair trade and is vegan and it's friendly, et cetera. I try to consume less meat. Cruelty-free entertainment. I mean, no, I don't pay for like taking selfies with tigers or anything like that. I think supporting the voices of people of color and minorities is super important, especially the indigenous communities, because what a mistake we did to wipe them off, <laughs> right? Um, and so learning about these communities are extremely important. They know better about everything. And, you know, everything that has to be community garden, everything that is local, learn about where the food comes from. I mean, transportation, transporting food. I mean, I care about those things. I try not to buy in the supermarket. I wish I can grow. I live in a rental home, so I cannot have my own garden, but grow your own food, you know, support your local farmers or whatever. I do care about outdoors. A lot of people come here to Seattle and they're like, Mount Rainier and Mount St. Helens and all those things. What about your park? Right there, like it's like literally a mile away and nobody's yeah. aware of these parks. I'm like, we, we don't need to go and waste, put more greenhouse. <laughs> we need to put more carbon in the air that we already have by traveling four hours driving yeah. to Mount Rainier. Like 
why we do like this is the type of conscious decisions that we are trying to make something that is hard i think is to consume fish mm-hmm. because a lot of fish has supposedly is sustainable but i saw a documentary i don't know if you have heard of it it's on waterbear.com which is a Nef- it's like a netflix but it's all about environment and nature you were featured there yes I know this girl. She's from National Geographic. I think that she came here. We hang out. And I was like, I can't believe we're in Seattle. What? She posted something with me. And then this organization from South Africa, it's called Beautiful News. They reached out to Sharon, which is uh, this girl from Nagio. And then I don't know what she said. And then she was like, oh, no, yeah, I'm with Caroline. And she's also this and that and that and that. And then they reached out to me saying about... Oh, we we saw the videos that you made, and I was like, "What videos? Like the my, my school project? <laughs> my school project? Because this is a school project, you know." And it's like, "Yeah, we thought it's amazing and incredible, and I think that we it's a lot of impact. So we we would like to feature you." And I was like, "Oh, thing, yeah, I would love that." But then they had a partnership then with Water Bear, which is a mm-hmm. bigger organization. And they started featuring their project into their platform. And so they were like, oh my gosh, uh, you won't believe it, but we just get a contract with Water Bear. And, you know, the thing is like, we want to feature you, but it seems like you're going to be featured first in their platform. And then later on, we can feature you in our platform. And I'm like, I'm happy about that. I don't care. <laughs> you know, I was like, Water Bear, are you kidding me? Like crazy. And so, yeah, I was featuring Water Bear. And then a year later, a year later is when I start featuring their platform. And I mean, crazy. And a lot of people started following me. A lot of people started to send me messages about, oh, wow, this is incredible. I, I love the fact that people are connecting to it at some mm-hmm. level. And I think that I did it because... I wanted to appeal to the common people. Like I want mm-hmm. to see that you don't need to go far to have animals around you. Like literally, it's just right there. You just have to open your eyes and see it, you know? For someone who hasn't seen um, those YouTube videos, can you talk to us a little bit about what the page is called? How can people find you? And if you were to go back in time and think about your favorite video, what would you say? I don't have a favorite video because I don't have a favorite animal. <laughs> like I just, I, I'm so excited for everything that it's mm-hmm. just crazy for me to choose one. But you can find it at my website, which is carolineguzman.com. And there is at the top, it says Wild Urban Tales, which is the name of the series. And um, you will learn, you know, like the basics about the animals that are surrounding you like your common squirrel, your common uh, birds uh, and seabirds and stuff like that. And technically, they all have a role in our ecosystem. Even if it is a urban, that's what it's called, wild urban tales. Or you can go to my YouTube channel, which is I am Caroline Guzman, and you will see it there as well. But it does look like the care and the curiosity comes through in all of the work. Like you said, it's like a whole package. Oh, yeah. Making five minutes, it takes me about six hours. But you know what? I don't care. As long as I have one person, one viewer that I can change their perspective and that I can spark their curiosity about that animal, 
I've done my job. We're living in a time where people are just chasing views and clicks. And even though the content does not resonate, they just want to like scroll through aimlessly without getting the education piece out of it. So I just really, really love how you talk about changing the perspective of one person is enough for you to feel like you've made a difference in the world. What's giving you hope amidst these uncertain times that we are living in right now? It's more like a peace of mind that all that I did, I try my best. I try my best to make the best decisions every day in my life to, you know, to honor the fact that I'm existing in this planet. I, I believe that we are here in this earth with a purpose. And I think it's to enjoy as much as you can and to give back as much as you can. Because when you give back, there's no feeling like that. What would be your message to the listeners right now? I think it's a reminder that we are living in this earth with other beings. They are here with us and not for us. And they have the same rights that we do. Wow, that's beautifully said. Thank you so much, Caroline. Well, before we wrap up, we generally ask our guests this little fill in the blanks. And it goes, I am a rock star and my superpower is... I am a rock star and my superpower is changing the world through my lens. As always, if you enjoyed listening to our conversation, please be sure to give us a follow on your favorite podcast platform and our Insta page at herpov underscore mag to stay updated about all of our episodes. Again, thank you so much for listening and I will see you in the next episode. Until then, toodles!